Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date Sunday the 30th of April 2023. Yeah, I think being Doctor Who actually has done me a, a, a bit of good after all these years. Well, it's made me happy, otherwise I wouldn't have stayed with it so long. It's become part of me, and me, I've become part of it. Hello, Nick and John. Hello, you. I'm Nick Briggs. He's Big Finish senior producer John Ainsworth. This is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama, and this podcast, all for the love of stories. Coming up in a moment, we talk to actor Stephen Noonan, who made quite a name for himself as our new first Doctor. Ooh. And he's here now. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Delighted to be back on the podcast again and looking forward to you joining me in my show, Everyone Laughs. Is, what it says <laughs> <here>. <laughs> is this supposed to be better than what I said last time, which, which led you to, to, to be very, very waspish with me and say I wasn't being funny <laughs> enough? So he's written yeah, me yeah. a gag. Yeah, that is brilliant. Thank you. Uh, That's right. And following the Stephen Noonan show, which I'm sure it will be, it'll be time for the Good Review Guide, known to some as the Good Review Guy, reviewing the reviews of the Fourth Doctor Adventures, Blood of the Time Lords. I am innocent of dark times. Then we go behind the scenes with the first instalment of Big Finish's momentous 60th anniversary Doctor Who release, Once and Future, starring, among others... Tom Baker. Well, absolutely. Released Wednesday the 3rd of May. I haven't looked this good in years. Following that, it'll be time for listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. We read out your emails and chat about them. It's as simple as that. In our also available segment this week, we stay in Doctor Who anniversary mode, looking back at our epic 50th anniversary release, The Light at the End. Ten years ago. And he said... What are you going to do with it, Tom? And I said, I don't know. Rather fascinating to look back at that. Uh, then the Randomoid Selectron will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount skillfully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. Yes, we genuinely have no idea what it'll be. It's true, isn't it? So here's a clip I'll edit in later. And finally, as always, we round off, in capital letters again, the podcast (laughs) with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week it is, of course, from Doctor Who, Once and Future, Past Lives by Rob Valentine. Late 20th century off the west coast of Scotland, I think. Yes, the island of Jura, no less. Now, what could possibly bring us here? So, Stephen, how delightful to have you here on the podcast again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is it? <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, In no. spite of all the hours I've spent uh, tutoring you in how well, to Well, I have to say you were very, very patient last night. Un- unusually. Because I'm still a technoramus, and it's a while <laughs> since I did this. But I had Mark Elstop around yesterday just to take me through it before I saw you to, yeah. uh, to, to get me back up to speed again. He's an um, actor who works uh, for Big Finish a lot, if you don't, don't know, know listeners. And he's techno-savvy. I, he's, he's, no, I don't know him, really. I don't think I've met him. But, um, techno-savvy. I know he is. Yeah. That's, that's, he's, his, that's his name. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he's big into that sort of music. Um, but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's... Um, well, he's done loads, hasn't he? He played, he played um, the prisoner. The prisoner. He, he, he played yeah. number six in The Prisoner. He's in. He's in most productions you do, isn't he? Isn't he, Nick? Somewhere. <laughs> well, if he's not, if he's not doing a theatre job, if he's somewhere, not, yeah. if he's not, he's just come back from v- Vienna. 
Yeah. But I've never met John before. No, Although this is we, our first, but we first were in, time. We were in Derby at the same time. We but, were, but, yes. But, uh, but, and, I, and I saw you on a corridor when we were doing the Demon Song, and I yes. tried to say hello, but you looked down and looked away. Oh, I'm and very I, sorry about that. And I, being, that. being paranoid, thought he obviously thinks I'm rubbish, you know. Well, no, I'm, you I'm, just, I'm just a shy introvert. But I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't but feel I did, worthy to talk to you. I'm I sure, did enjoy <laughs> listening to you doing the uh, the podcast the other week, though, because it was it was. Well, I love it with Nick and Benji, but it was it was a, a completely different sort of <laughs> a very sort of calm vibe, you know. So uh... thank you. It's a, pa- a parallel universe podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, uh, Stephen, we've yeah. uh, uh, invited you on uh, to be entertaining. Yeah. Um, so what form will the Stephen Noonan show take today? Well, Won't I don't be- know. I, I was just thinking about this because because we're doing um, uh, you, launching this once and future um, mm. thing, uh, which is and the first and the first installment is about Tom Baker. Um, mm. Well, it's got his or, or f- mainly features Tom Baker, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think next. that's fair. Yeah, I was yeah, think, um, just yeah. I just just thinking about how. My journey to doing, although I, you know, never regard myself as a, as a mimic, but but the um, the journey to Doctor Who voices started with with Tom Baker, which was when um, the Who's Doctor Who documentary was was shown in 1977, which is the first time there were ever clips from old yes. stories. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I was in hospital. Um, over that weekend, it was just before Easter 1977, and I was having a very um, uncomfortable operation. And I'll, the condition I had. <laughs> Sorry, called, why am I laughing? The, 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 the condition I had was called phimosis. Anybody knows what it is will know what the operation was. I won't go into any more detail than that. Oh dear. Um, and, uh, and there was a very, very, very um, unsympathetic night nurse who, when I was trying to um, have a pee for the first time, Oh, she, now was, now we in, know the region we're of, talking about. I was about. in a lot of pain and, and was expressing this pain. And she said, I could then die in squan, she said. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but the, that, that wasn't as bad as us, various of the kids on the ward, wanting to watch Who's Doctor Who, which was, of course, on BBC Two. And they had, um, I think it was the first ever showing of uh, Jesus of Nazareth. So that that's that that group which is on ITV and they wouldn't right. turn over from ITV. Um, she said, we never have BBC Two on in this ward, and and so we had to. Well, Lily Savage, Lily Savage was there. Yes, <laughs> I went to the same school as 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 Paul O'Grady, and uh, oh. so there might be a similarity of uh, of, of accent there at, uh, at Redcourt in Birkenhead. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'd have made a fantastic Davros though, wouldn't I? You know. Have I the right and all that? Be fantastic. Um, so d- did you? So then the nurse wouldn't let you watch it. Yeah. Did you? How, so how did you see it? Because were there there my, were video recordings? My, no, my there. parents very kindly, um, who weren't Doctor Who fans, but but were sort of aware of my enthusiasm, taped it, audio taped it off <gasps> off the telly. Oh. And so for years, I never saw it for years. Oh, I think until un- until they. Uh, it, it was on the um, Talons of Wang Chang uh, DVD for the first time. So seeing it for the first time was was extraordinary. Wow, seeing all yeah. these things that that you were trying to imagine because you'd only got the audio. But my and but the I've still got the audio cassette, and my my parents sort of narrated it. So so there's my mum going, "This is Davros, <laughs> that Dagador." She knew the names, and my dad 
who sounded a bit like Derek Geiler. You know Derek Gale yes. from washboard. I'm Corky the Corky. That's right, Robbie Washboard. Corky the policeman, of course, in uh, in in Sykes, and he's he's saying things like um, um, these are uh, old seventies TV shows. They are. They are, won't mean anything to to anybody under the age of of uh, whatever whatever the people here are. Um, uh, 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 varying varying ages, um, but uh, so there's, so there's bit, bits of him saying. Um, this is a doll on the backseat of a car coming alive. Or uh, shop window mannequins starting to move. And there's the bit where Dick Mills was as, is demonstrating sound effects. Yes, yeah. Swarfiga or something. That's right, and it was my dad who was yeah. rubbing Swarfiga between the hands, my dad said. <laughs> and, and so to I, avoid any uh, <laughs> misunderstanding. <laughs> and, uh, and so this was when, of course, you know, there were, there were the clips that we could of, of these stories that we thought we'd never see again, of course, because they were junking them. And so there's so there's the very first scene of of Hartle in the TARDIS. But it was the first time I'd heard isolated Tom Baker's extraordinary voice. And there's that interview with him, yeah, where he's talking about his predecessors. And I and it was and because we because as you know, little cassette machines at that time sometimes would run a bit fast. It was a slightly speeded up, and this enabled me to hear one of the key elements to Tom, Tom Baker's. Tom Baker's accent is almost sort of it's off the scale of posh RP, isn't it? Even though he came from Liverpool, yeah. he's working class from Liverpool. But the only elements that still is he's got he's got the Scouse S. So all Scousers talk like they've got an S sound that's, that's like this, and that's there in Tom Baker's. He's yeah. got the S the S sound, and I heard it because it was running fast. And so this is this is the sort of first. So it made bit. it sort of quite piercing the S. It was it, really? it was it was it was just it was it was just isolating it and 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 augmenting it so you could hear it. Mm. And so that was the first bit of 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 uh, Doctor Who um, impression I did was of Tom Baker not in character, but talking about the other uh, the other actors, which I can still you know which I still remember to this day, which is. Um, well, William Hartnell, when he got this part, was already uh, nearing the end of his career. And in fact, as you know, he wasn't a very well man by the time he finished with this. So he was actually, naturally, very crotchety and like a good old pro. <laughs> he used that a lot, didn't he? He was very uh, bad-tempered and abrasive in situations like that because he was himself, you know, abrasive at that period in his career. <laughs> then Patrick Troughton took it over and became a sort of pixie, ah, which he's very good at, but he made the transition to other roles very easily and successfully after. It's very hard to describe Troughton. Whereas John was much more Holmesian, wasn't he? He's so grand and uh, he's so shockingly recognizable, isn't he? He's like a tall light bulb, isn't he? He glitters. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> really, when you are, etc. Um, <laughs> so that I, was, I bet, I, I bet he didn't uh, enjoy doing that answer, though. You know what I mean? They say, Tom, could you just sum up the other doctors? And he probably went, "What?" I, okay, well, I think I'll at, say that, something. at that point, you get the sense that he's so sort of caught up with the enthusiasm of it that because it's right at the at the, the the heart of its sort of peak success, isn't it? When they're doing. 
talons of Wang Chiang. So you get just the sense of somebody who's, who's absolutely enjoying every minute of it. And then it was the genesis of the Daleks LP um, coming uh, out, yes. um, which I you can probably see behind me there. Um, oh, yeah. And and the um, and I think just about everybody from my generation uh, knows that off by heart because we listen to it over and again, and including Tom Baker's um, narrative sections in it. And uh, and of course, the TARDIS isn't in it. The TARDIS is on the on the cover there. But to to um, explain to uh, people who bought it who weren't fans, perhaps there's that first bit where he claims that he's just got out of the TARDIS. But That's that right. is that is it, to, yeah. to yes to to um, to use a, a popular topic on this. That first bit of narrative is as much canon. It's a sort of parallel canon. <laughs> um, to to the actual story, and um, and of course I can still remember that first section of it. Shall I do that? Go on, go on. I stepped from the TARDIS onto a bleak planet. All around the ground was ravaged. No vegetation. Banks of chilling fog swirling through the air. Why had I been brought here? Ah, welcome, Doctor. What's going on? Don't you realise how dangerous it is to intercept a transmat beam? Oh, come, Doctor. We're going to have the whole of Genesis. <laughs> Not with our techniques. Would you mind <laughs> shutting up a minute, please? <laughs> <laughs> We've, oh, do you want me to do any more? Is that it? Okay. No, no, that's fine. We have I'm to just pay for this. I was <laughs> going to say we have to pay Terry Nation or Robert Holmes. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it is Robert Holmes because having worked on Daleks Genesis oh, of Terror, yes. that I know that that is not... That's not what Terry Nation wrote in the first place. We'll, all, we'll find out when it comes out, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the record that I listened to, probably more than Genesis, was the Pescatons record. Oh, yeah. Which, which I yeah. bet you had that as one. That yeah, was full yeah, of, of course. fabulous narration. Pescatons. Of course, of course. Which, yeah. which starts, um, my life is an endless journey. That's right. Across the bounds of space but and time. That weird TARDIS noise. <laughs> A time traveller <laughs> shifting amongst the great galaxies of the universe. Of course. I had no idea where or in which period of time it arrived, etc. <laughs> My companion Sarah and I... Yeah. We have been waiting for you, Doctor. Was that right. Bill Mitchell? Was that his name? It, it was is. Bill yeah. Mitchell, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's the American yeah. Pescaton, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor. And there was lots of repetition, wasn't it? It was just down, 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 and the depths of Pesca or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, that's Victor Pemberton, isn't it, who wrote yeah, that? Yeah, yes, it was. But yeah. that narrative is very... It's, the Tom Baker narrative is very well written and very well um, acted by him. And, of course, that, that came out between Seeds of Doom and Masculine and Dragger, I think. It's that summer. Mm. I think it was recorded around about the time of... Brain of Morbius. I always think that it, the funny thing is that I think Tom and Liz Slade and that sound a little bit stagey in their in the scenes. You know what I mean? It doesn't. Whereas if you listen to that, there's that thing and, and BBC Audio have yeah. released both of these things: the Exploration Earth. Oh yeah. Extra, which just sounds like the soundtrack of um, the TV show. They sound like they've just walked off the set because it sounds right. really naturalistic and the way they were in the TV series. Whereas in the Pescatons, it's a little bit like, yes, Doctor, I'm standing on a beach. You know what I mean? It's not quite it's as... It's bad radio acting. Which, you don't uh, think yeah. they recorded it separately, do you? Or did they do it no. together? No, there's, there's no, photographs of them standing Is next there? to each other, the microphone, right. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but um, the best bits are his narrative because that, that's, that's very, very atmospheric. 
And yeah, I think the dialogue. dialogue the weird are, music are by good. Kenny Clayton. How about that? I he remember was, he was a jazz musician. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. Yes. I quite like that music. Actually. Well, I yeah, like yeah, it now. Yeah, I yeah. would. Uh, I aspire to doing music like that now. Well, did you? Did were you too old to have the pescatons? John, no, John wasn't too too old. To, mind you, no, you're well, older than it, but but Nick's a little bit old, right? So so did you did you get the pescaton? Yes. You did, yeah. Cool. I couldn't believe it. Of I mean, course. I thought it was amazing. And then, I, then I was, um, I was annoyed that they just used the record version of the Doctor Who theme. I wanted them to use the proper <laughs> opening music, and I didn't like the fact that there they is. had. Oh, yes. I got annoyed you... about him uh, playing his piccolo. Oh yeah, you thought which must Doctor have been. Do- I assume Victor Pemberton misremembering that it was a recorder from Troughton. Yeah, and I again, the Fourth yeah, Doctor didn't have. Um, didn't have a piccolo no, but I, no. there was no responsibility to that kind of continuity and no. there was no there was no production office concern about that you know there was no there were no brand people to say no 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 that's not correct i mean it's like all the comic strips in tv yeah. action and, and tv comic you know that they they do all sorts of bizarre things that aren't actually that don't well, t- work with Terrence the Dix used to see that because i did a, ages ago did a bit of research on this when i wrote a load of articles for uh, Doctor Who magazine or the spin-off and it was full of uh, I saw the original memos that came back from Terence Sticks about the comic strip synopses that because they would send these synopses to him and they would say uh, and the Doctor broke as a piece between the two warring sides uh, and, and departs and then the alternative ending was and the Doctor shoots them all dead with a ray gun or something and <laughs> it was something as extreme as that and and Terrence Sticks would say no 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 <laughs> you must not shoot them dead <laughs> and Terence being Terence was very blunt about his opinion about these things as well which was yeah. very funny mm. and I did ask him Terence about it once and he, he said yes uh, you know, he did say he said but it was all done as a sort of very quick aside he said because we were far too busy with the TV show he said you know yeah. so these things were just st- imitations really that you had to spend five minutes on or something mm. well now there are whole teams of people of course it's doing this sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. whereas in, the, in those days the, the producer and script editor would yes it's strange to think isn't it really yeah mm. um is there any more uh, material in the Stephen noonan show <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh dear oh dear anyway let's move on Time now for our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised this week, we're looking at Doctor Who, Blood of the Time Lords. For all the grand titles, these are dark days. Another resident has been taken from us. Who would want to dispose of Time Lords who are already so close to death? From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Fourth Doctor Adventures, Blood of the Time Lords. No, 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 you can't do that. Don't stop it. Hello? Oh, hello. Pleased to meet you. I'm the... You can't park here. I'm so awfully sorry. I will... Well, you'll have to move it. Look! The flickering glow over there! And behind us, too. I'm very sorry, old Haku, but the fire appears to be growing all around us. My apologies, brothers. No matter, I've heard word. Words reached me. A time capsule in the library. Doctor, this is important. I'm afraid it's unlikely to be dignified. I consider the implications, young man. Infinite library. An infinite fire. Doctor! Ancelon, how 
good to see you. <laughs> I am to arrest you and have you escorted down to Gallifrey. <laughs> <laughs> Two residents down there, you say? Honorable Lorik, he's a crotchy old soul. An eminent Sedania. Sedania? Later the Prydonian Academy? <laughs> That's her. You won't want to get in her bad books. No talking at the back, please. Yes, miss. Sorry, miss. May I ask a question, miss? You may not. Oh, well. I'm not afraid to say I often did. The doctor is on the stand. I know I have a habit of barging in just as everyone's vanishing or keeling over or a president's getting shot or whatnot. But trust me in this. I am innocent. Dark times. Dark times. Well, I think this is excellent news. Big finish for the love of stories. So just go to bigfinish.com and type of the Time Lords into the search pane at the top to find this one. First up, hoganreviews.co.uk. David Hogan, who says, Blood of the Time Lords was a really enjoyable dive into Time Lord lore and features great performances from the main cast. Four TARDISes. <laughs> like John turns the stars into TARDISes. <laughs> Doctor Who magazine style. Uh, DoctorWhoReviews.net. Uh, this is Kyle. Uh, Kyle says the fourth Doctor rarely has the opportunity to headline a story by himself, but Tom Baker delivers a powerhouse performance that brings out everything that is so beloved about this particular incarnation. With a strong complementary cast of supporting characters and a dynamic villainous front uh, that presents genuine challenges to the Doctor who is so used to being in control and changing events around himself for the better Blood of the Time Lords is a very strong opener to this solo series that was the name of the box set that perfectly uh, captures the tone and sounds of its intended era while expertly integrating more modern elephants <laughs> elephants uh, mm -hmm. and that's four uh, small um, trashics and we've right. got sorry, and we've got whoreview.com here. Blood of the Time Lords is an excellent story full of fantastic world building, vivid imagery, and well drawn characters. Four point five out of five. Where do we go wrong, do you think? You know, to to drop that point five. Well, as I as I said last time, you know, it's it show it it's it would be uncritical of, of people to, to just give you five on but you wouldn't you wouldn't value them, would you, these reviews if they all got Full marks. You know. I suppose so. It's a good point, isn't it? And and we th we didn't we decide, Stephen, chatting that um, Tim Trelaw or Brian or Trevor or whatever his name really is, yeah. uh, or Trelaw, uh, he he thinks that I write all the reviews, doesn't he? Well, that was he, when when um, uh, you brought up <laughs> He's the, the third doctor when you brought up the subject of him of him being called Trevor. Now, yeah, um, he said, well, that was, that was your fault, wasn't it? That was you. You did that. And you said no, no, it wasn't. It was Stephen Noonan who, because there was a review, quite a good review for the Third Doctor Adventures, which kept referring to him as Trevor Trelaw, which I thought was very funny. And then Daisy Ashford thought it was very funny. And Jason Hay, Hay Gallery thought it was so funny that he kept introducing him at, at Gallifrey, not Gallifrey, <laughs> yeah, Gallifrey as Trevor yeah. Trelaw on the panels. Um, and uh, but then on the podcast, it was it was curious that he thought it had come from you. And, yeah. and you go, well, no, it was nothing to do with me. It was, it was a review. He said, oh, yeah, it was in a review or something, wasn't it? And you went, well, yeah, but I don't write the reviews. <laughs> I, I think Tim's misunderstood about reviews. <laughs> anyway, he wants well, to come that, back on the podcast. He can't understand why, why they're so good. So, so they must have been written by the company, possibly. There's, um, uh, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, um, I think there's, uh, John, are you aware there's a good bit of animosity between um, uh, Tim and Stephen? 
And uh, I think that there are, there, there are Pertwee and Troughton. I think they'll be at conventions <laughs> with water pistols. Excellent. <laughs> I got confused there when you said there are Pertwee and Troughton. I thought, but I'm, I'm the William Hartnell on time. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's all too confusing. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, that's... Um, that's what it's I think. not. It's not real animosity. It's 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 no, it's, no. it's 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 sort of jokey animosity. It isn't animosity at all. No. Um, no. Well, but... we'll 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 check that with Tim <laughs> or, or Brian <laughs> or Trevor, whichever of his personalities he's bringing to the table. Brian. Yes, that's right. Brian. Yes. Brian. Is it me next? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, cult yeah. box. Uh, Ian McCardle says this is a superb story and writer Timothy X. Atak, which is a great name, isn't it? Let's face it, uh, conjures a whole new aspect of Time Lord society from the cavernous, potentially infinite library to the subservient cohorts who administrate it. The recursory feels like a plausible extension of their world. Uh, naturally, there's a monster lurking for good measure, too, and the Mandelbrot is lots of fun. SciFiBulletin.com, Paul Simpson, says There may not be an official companion, but the Doctor spends a lot of his time teamed up with Emma Noakes, Eleanor. Also, Emma Noakes is Eleanor. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Emma Noakes is Eleanor. And she's someone that I really hope returns to the audio range. Based on how she's both written and played here, she could make a great foil for many of the different Doctors. And Nick Briggs enables some sparkling scenes between her and Tom Baker. An unusual tale with hints of Gormenghast. Eight out of ten TARDISes. Yes, well, uh, now, of course, Emma Noakes. I'd forgotten all about Emma, and I was thinking of uh, casting uh, for the Second Doctor Adventures, and we had a Time Lord character come up, and I thought, oh, yeah, Emma. And I'd I'd recently re-listened to uh, Blood of the Time Lords, because it was recorded years and years ago. And I thought how brilliant Emma was. And and then I cast her as Raven, the Time Lord character in the second Doctor Adventures, which came out round about the same time as Blood <laughs> of the Time Lords. So it looked like she just went from one job to the other, whereas in fact that was years apart. And I don't think she'd had a big finished job since then. You know, when right. I brought her in, I said, I'm so sorry. I, uh, Emma, I, I'm not quite sure why, because I remember thinking at the time, she is brilliant. Anyway, she's coming back. We're recording some Second Doctor Adventures next week, and she's she's Good. in again. Brilliant, brilliant actor. Anyway, sorry, Stephen. Over to you. Is it me? Okay. And on Twitter, um, at Ricky Unwin, finish Blood of the Time Lords with Big Finish. Very rich script. Really has fun with... I'm oh, sorry. It really has fun with and adds to the mythology. <laughs> especially, it says here. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Really has fun with an ads to the mythology. Especially enjoyed Emma Noakes as Eleonora, a character with an intriguing past who is surely ripe for a return appearance. I mean, there she is go. a Time Lord. Maybe she, maybe Eleonora, re, you know, is actually Raven or no? That's I was going to say she regenerates can, into a. But how would she have the same that voice? In, can't you, yeah. Or somehow. yeah, yeah, definitely. Good luck with well, that. Yeah. Yes, no, no problem, mate. No problem. <laughs> also worth mentioning that James Dreyfus was here playing. It was the first time he'd played the Master. Uh, and that's it from the Good Review Guy this week. Next week, uh, we'll be looking at the reviews of the Fourth Doctor Adventures, uh, The Ravencliff Witch. Uh, that, that's got Neris Hughes in it, actually. Mm-hmm. 
Still to come on the podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. And we go back 10 years to remember Doctor Who, the light at the end, plus the randomoid Selectrotron giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. What will it be? You'll just have to wait and see. But first, let's go behind the scenes with Doctor Who, Once and Future, Past Lives. My name's Robert Valentine, and I am the writer of part one of Doctor Who, Once and Future, Past Lives. Well, I can't believe I'm getting to contribute a story to the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, to be honest. Uh, It's a huge honour, and I just feel extremely jammy, really. There's no way I could have engineered myself into this position. And it's, uh, it's simply a huge gift to be doing it. Ah, that's what brings me here. While I may be in the form of this old favourite, I'm actually a much later vintage. What do you mean? I mean that I'm suffering from the effects of some sort of degeneration weapon. Trust me, I haven't looked this good in years. Incredible. Matt Finn asked me to write the opening episode of this story, uh, setting up some of the elements that would culminate in his finale. So really my responsibility was to just do that, to set up the premise and uh, create a sense of mystery to solve before it's too late. So yeah, the whole concept has a kind of a built-in ticking clock to it. So my job was to start that clock ticking. Tom Baker here, playing the Doctor. Sarah, I never forgot you if that's what you're wondering. and. I, I... I never will. Oh, I'll believe you. Thousands wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I think being Doctor Who actually has done me a, a, a bit of good after all these years. Well, it's made me happy, otherwise I wouldn't have stayed with it so long. It's become part of me, and me, I've become part of it, which is, you know, this kind uh, human being who is a bit preachy from now, now and then, but he's mischievous and... Um, and does the best he can to help out and solve problems. Of course, I don't know, I'm talking about my own Doctor Who, and I have no intention of stopping being Doctor Who because I I can't tell the difference between me and Doctor Who because he's a decent sort of chap and sometimes very amusing. Hello, I'm Gemma Redgrave and I play Kate Lethbridge-Stewart. I'm Ingrid Oliver and I play Osgood. And I'm Sadie Miller and I play Sarah Jane Smith. Kate Stewart, Osgood. May I present Miss Sarah Jane Smith? Hello. Hi there. Hi. Wait, you're no relation of Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart, are you? How could you tell? You have the same bearing. Thanks, I I think. Oh, it's a gorgeous script. It's wonderfully playful and very funny and charming and... At the same time, it's inc- it's rather um, incredibly touching and re- quite moving, actually. I think it's beautiful. I like when Big Finish sort of cross-pollinate stories and it's really lovely to be able to play against different doctors that, that we wouldn't normally get the chance to play against So, and, and assistants. So, yeah, you feel like you're part of Who history and it's a lovely thing. Getting to play with the fourth doctor meant that he could meet Sarah Jane Smith after years apart, but... Um, after only hours for her, which I thought was inherently poignant from both their points of view. It 
brings together a lot of what makes Who so lovely, so playful and silly and about um, friendship going on adventures. But I think it's very moving as well. And it's the kind of big finish story where you never know where the next scene is going to take you or what's going to happen next. So it's very exciting. Just go to bigfinish.com and type once and a future. Hey, why not? Nice and obvious. Into the search pane. We all remember that, don't we, Stephen, the search pane? At the top. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> to find this Doctor Who anniversary treat and part one, Past Lives, is out on Wednesday, the 3rd of May. That's if you're listening on Sunday, that's in four days' time. And don't forget, you can hear a free 15 minute drama tease of Once and Future Past Lives at the end of this podcast. Meanwhile, it's time for listeners' emails. So here we are, about to embark. Don't forget, all you have to do to be in with the chance of your email featuring in the Big Finish podcast <laughs> is to write to podcast at bigfinish.com. And don't forget to click send. Just a little uh, insider tip of mine. <laughs> right. First up, Stuart uh, Z Alpha. Uh, I don't know whether that's Stuart's surname. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I believe it is. Do you? Yes. <laughs> right, it's official. If John believes it, it must be true. Uh, so the subject is unabashed praise. Well, yes, we like our praise that if it hasn't been bashed. Um, hi, guys. I just got back from a coach holiday, which gave me a chance to catch up on some of your release, released releases, I suppose that's meant to be. And I just had to take time out to compliment your Doctor of War box set. That's very nice of you. I've just criticised your typing, so I feel wretched now. <laughs> uh, Colin Baker as the warrior was just spectacular. And what a scale it ended on. No spoilers for your listeners, but if you folks listening haven't listened to it yet, do yourself a favour and get a copy. Couldn't agree more. Terry Malloy too was just amazing. Always is. His interactions with Colin were brilliant. And on another note, oh, that was another note, I just got a copy of spare parts on vinyl as a gift I was much pleased with that as you can imagine spare parts was our debut Cyberman well it wasn't a debut Cyberman so it was the, the genesis origin, of the Cyberman yes, the yeah. origin and while I've no doubt you've already had endless praise for the release I don't remember actually it was so long ago may I add to it by complimenting especially Nick's haunting rendition of Roy Scouton's original sing-song Cyberman voices uh, especially the heartbreaking scene with Yvonne and her family truly amazing stuff in which I played Yvonne funnily enough uh, keep the hits coming and I can't wait to see in brackets here question mark uh, what uh, you're, you've got coming up next warmest regards Stuart thank you Stuart um, yeah that was a fun one to do spare parts you weren't there for that, were you, John? No, I remember, I just I was aware of it happening, but it's always considered to be sort of up there with one of the big finished classics, isn't it? It's the yeah, it's say, been released on say vinyl as well. Chimes of Midnight, Spare Parts, you know, those are the ones that they they often remember. Battlefield. Oh no, sorry, that was on the telly. Um, <laughs> a favourite of John's. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good for Darren Nesbitt was in it, you know. He was, and Sally Nevette from Black Seven. Sally Nevette with her dog. <laughs> yes, who kept making a noise behind the microphone. <laughs> that noise that Labradors make, you know. Can you do a Labrador noise, Stephen? Is Darren Nesbitt still with us? Uh, well, he's, he's not in my shed. No, is he I, uh, alive, I, though? I believe so. Is he? Is, is he? I think, I think so. he might be one of the few number twos from The Prisoner who's still... I think he is the is, only one Is he now. the only one? Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, he goes to the prisoner conventions and it's a bit like Ken Dodd right. doing a routine where it's sort of like lock the doors and he just goes on oh, all does night. He? Does he? <laughs> yes. Did you ever see Ken Dodd? No, I didn't. I no. won't say, I He's won't a say famous him. Liverpudlian comedian, folks, if you don't know. And his performances lasted forever, didn't they? I know I, that. Yeah, I, I went know. to see him in... Mark Elstub and I went to see him in oh. um, somewhere near... Somewhere west of London, where, where yeah. Mark Elstub lived at the time. Where, where would that be? Big big theatre there. And he was, it was about two o'clock in the morning when he finished. Was it really? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was it good? It was, yeah, it was. It was bizarre. It was, it was very surreal. Yeah. Um, because, well, one of the reasons why it's so long, it's not just him, because he was an old-fashioned... You know, variety entertainer. There were yeah. other acts came on, so oh, some really? woman came on, played the piano, and somebody else came on with an accordion, <laughs> and so so you know, it's not just him going on for hours and hours. It was the, there were there were other there were other sort of events there, and he did this um, ventriloquist act with a doll that was the character supposed to be his son, and it was sort <laughs> of had this sort of curious sort of mawkish pathos in it, where he'd sort of burst into tears my son and he'd sing a song to, to this doll as his son it was really not, not humorously no because it started out humorous and then and then it became you know sort of sentimental that's incredible which was it was really sort of surreal in quite yeah. quite a sort of a sort of strange kind of grotesque goes away but absolutely mesmeric you know yeah and a lot of it was very funny there was there was a whole sequence of doctor jokes he did um, but it became a sort of surreal thing because he got, gradually got quicker and quicker. But doctor, the doctors, and they and they, they just got quicker and quicker. So it became less about the jokes than the fact that they were doctor jokes, getting faster and faster. So it was it had this sort of strange kind of dreamlike quality. He was also famous for dodging his tax, wasn't he? He kept all the money in pillowcases or something. Yeah, in his mattress get... or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he, he got away with it, didn't he? Gonna... I think he, I think he pleaded pleaded sort of economic ignorance, you know. That's so, no excuse in the eyes well, of the law, is it? He I thought think, the Labour think, government were going to nick all his money, you see, because the, <laughs> the, the tax rates for the highest earners went very, very high in the 70s, didn't they? 60s and 70s. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of social commentary there's there. A, there's a statue of him now um, at Lime Street Station, if you arrive at Lime Street Station. Yes. Opposite a statue of Bessie Braddock, who was actually one of the most left-wing um, <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool politicians. So, so it's a kind of battle what between you've the just two. said, yes, makes it quite amusing that they're, they're, they're standing there. Is, is her hand <laughs> reaching out to take his money? <laughs> <laughs> Hit him with a handbag. And of course he's got the tickling stick there. And, oh. Uh, what a beautiful day. What a beautiful day. For... Yeah. Anyway, if, if you've never heard of Ken Dodd, then uh, if you're a Doctor Who fan, of course, listening to this, which... Then you'll know exactly who him. Ken Dodd is, yeah, yes. Because you'll have seen him in <laughs> Delta and the Bannerman. <laughs> <laughs> Which story was um, Darren Nesbitt in then? Oh, he was in the uh, Aztecs. No, not no, the Aztecs. Marco Polo. Marco Polo. Marco, yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I know that. He's... I mean, I knew it anyway. But when I uh, the last time I saw Darren Nesbitt, he, he insisted over my breakfast on telling me the very long anecdote about a monkey getting up into the lighting rig during the filming and pooing on them. Oh yeah, or, that's the yeah. monkey that while, the act- while I'm eating my breakfast, <laughs> he's telling, he's talking about monkey poo. Yeah, that's the. And monkey- his wife was constantly nudging him and saying, "Darren, don't, don't." <laughs> but you can't stop Darren once he's anecdoting. You can't stop him. That's the monkey that's on, that's on the shoulder of uh, the actor Tutty Lemcow, 
who was oh, in yes. sort of so many things in the in the sixties, wasn't he? he was, Quite was a few Doctor of, Who's as well. Several Doctor Who's, yeah, yeah, several Doctor Who's. In fact, I think it's in the Myth Makers. Yeah, yes. certainly another one. And there's, and there's there's probably another Hartnell one. Is it Crusade? I that, maybe. I don't know. Yes, I think he might be. Um, John, would you like to read out the next email? I certainly will. So, next up is Matt Mayhew. Mm. And his subject for his email is Thoughts on War Films, brackets a millennial. I presume Mm. he means from a millennial, meaning himself, I guess. Let's find out. Benji and Nick, or John and Nick, or John and Stephen and Nick. I don't particularly watch war films in their traditional sense, i.e. following a military campaign, particularly because it's not something I'm interested in. However, I have watched several war-adjacent films. That's a nice term. Which I define as where either a war is the setting in time or a war appears as part of the film's story, which I find much more interesting and thought-provoking. Stories have such a more uh, sorry stories have such a more powerful way of teaching us the lessons from history or viewpoints more generally to a broader range of people than from a textbook if they were lucky to be taught this. Stories like The Boy in the Striped Pajamas showing the horrors of the Holocaust, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, or the Bernice Summerfield story Just War show life under German occupation. The fantastic queer story of Firebird shows life for a gay man as a conscript in the USSR and the effects of, effect events in the Soviet-Afghan war has on him and the wife of his lover. Through Louise Jameson's Attergirl, we do call it Attergirl, do we? Rather than the we do, girl, we yeah. do. There we go. Through Louise Jameson's Attergirl, I learnt a whole part of the war that I didn't know existed. I've also learnt many other aspects of history from stories. Steve McQueen's small acts showed me the lived experience of, of black British people in the UK. It's a sin holding the man and born in 68 have detailed the experiences and the history of the AIDS pandemic. The latter even taught me 40 years of French history that I would never have been taught at school. Anyway, aren't many of the sci-fi series we love and Big Finish produces influenced by the outcomes of war, mm-hmm. like the inspiration for the Daleks? or Blake's fight against the Federation. The Prisoner is born out of Cold War era fears. The Prisoner if, from that series, yeah. If you have time, I would recommend watching a YouTube channel run by a filmmaker and therapist who are making sense of life one blockbuster at a time. They watch movies and discuss their stories around themes such as parenting, the psychology of a hero or villain, and so on. Unfortunately, it doesn't say what the YouTube channel no. is called or we'll have to go googling i think yeah. was anyway. this it was this in the light of um the discussion with with trevor last week yeah was this, was this right oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. or the week before or the week before a big one. i can't yeah. remember yeah i lose track i lose yeah. track yeah it's been an interesting um st- you know stimulation for debate really and if you you don't know louise jameson's at a girl is uh, one of the big finish originals and it's about um women pilots in the second world war who were you know Part of it, they didn't actually fly in combat, but uh, the female pilots were used to uh, move the planes ar- around. You know, to, to where they needed to be. To where yeah. they need- That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah, and it's a fascinating story and a really good. It's very interesting, isn't it, when you think about the Daleks, which is you know, um, it isn't the first political story because cave- because um, an earthly child is quite political with the cavemen, but uh, but that. The whole sort of ethos of that is 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 making the case for war, isn't it? Um, Some of which it was, is, which yeah. is well, to, to persuading the the Thals that there are things that have to be fought, you know. Yeah. And it's it was interesting. 
comparing the televised version with the with the novelization, whereas where in the the TV version, um, Barbara is is much more on on the sort of the uh, the anti-pacifist side in in the TV version. It's it's an, it's Ian that has to be yeah Ian has to be um, persuaded. That, yes. Um, yes, to, that's do, true, to do yeah. to do that to play that trick with with Diony to pretending yeah, to, to pretend take to take to, it to the Daleks. Yeah, yeah. And she persuades him in the novelization, which I think is a brilliant novelization. But the one thing that makes it slightly more conservative is that in in the book, Ian's right from the start much more trying to persuade them to 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 fight oh. the Daleks, and and Barbara's playing a much more sort of conventional you know female attitude to it. So the TV. Version is much more progressive, if you like. That she's 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 less less sort of obviously the female sort of voice in it. Mm. Just re- when I was rereading um, the Dalek, I wonder if they felt they had to tone it down for a sort of younger reader. Possibly, um, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? How, how certain things are very much of the time. Um, that because the, the early sixties is still very much the nineteen fifties, isn't it? You know, yeah, sort of Philip yeah. Larkin saying that sixty didn't really really start until till nineteen sixty three. Well, I always think Doctor Who doesn't feel like the 60s until Patrick Troughton, I feel. I think the Hartnell stuff feels more like in the sort of 50s. And also in its own little sort of weird, surreal world of its own, really. It doesn't have that sort of 60s vibe about it, or a lot of it doesn't. I mean, no, no. I think it's weird. I've just been watching all the Hartnells all the way through, and I've just got to the War Machines. And War Machines is quite a sort of shock because it's suddenly sort of set in the present day and is full of 60s, you know, Mm. stuff in the, in the, in the, um, the disco place and everything and it, it's oddly it doesn't feel like it's a good fit for the Hartnell Doctor weirdly um, which is very odd especially since they hint that he looks like Jimmy Savile yes they do don't they which is he looks like that DJ yeah that's yeah. what they say don't they and everyone would have known what he meant and in the light of you know revelations of recent years it's all slightly appalling and finally uh mark bennett uh says uh, (laughs) that awful sound brackets again okay here we go you'll gather what this is about hi benji and nick hope life's treating you both kindly well benji's busy today isn't he john very busy yes very busy he's recording um i'm writing into the podcast for two reasons both sound related you may recall that i was the person who started that debate about whether or not to keep the keep or update the horrible in my opinion extras noise Uh, While I've been greatly amused by much of the chat around it, especially the emailer suggesting it be given a proper funeral where it's played non-stop for seven hours before being laid to rest, I must Mm -hmm. confess to a certain amount of increasing guilt as the weeks have gone on. To be honest, the main reason for bringing it up was that I thought my main, though second in order, reason for writing in that week was a bit too dry and humourless, a doomed... Uh, from the outset continuity question that was never likely to have you saying, well, fix that right away with some specially inserted material to paper over the cracks. Though I must say, uh, who cares? It's all made up was arguably a bit too cavalier for many of us who care about this stuff. OK, did I say who cares? I'm really sorry. I was just locking around. That's my excuse for everything, isn't it? Um, it is all made up though sorry um so i gave it some covering fire so to speak with a more unusual request that i'd hoped was phrased with sufficient humor to a not offend and b communicate that the noise in question wasn't really causing me inordinate distress just mild discomfort to the point it had become irksome if perfectly endurable 
Uh, anyway, my general impression from others offering their views on this is that most are wildly indifferent about it, while one or two would be saying, it feels like you've just killed an old friend. So I feel I should say, let's just keep it as is, as why should my isolated opinion count for anything when it's easier just to keep it and keep the majority dot 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 happy? Oblivious, uncaring either way. And sorry for the needless fuss, but at least it raised some funny comments. And I got to enjoy the strange feeling of Tim Trelaw and John Ainsworth separately having the whole nonsense run past <laughs> them and thinking, this is my fault. I was thinking that. I was thinking that, not them. Um, so, well, let me just speak about that for a moment. Um, I, You know, the thing is, Mark, that I just thought that, you know, it would we we raised it because it was funny i was slightly concerned that you were genuinely you know um troubled to the extent of being slightly traumatized by it but i'm uh, mollified by your words here saying that you know it's not um it's perfectly endurable but i think you know maybe there is time for a change anyway it shouldn't be the same thing forever or should it i don't know i just enjoy the debate and the the things it uh, throws up now john this next bit you'll be very interested in oh right on to my second sound related point then gentlemen and what on earth is going on with the levels <laughs> only uh, on some releases over the last year or two but most noticeably in particular i mean the leveling off of volume levels across an entire release that I know as a from the beginning BF listener was always there very consistently across many hundreds of stories in all ranges but of late we sometimes get the opening and closing music coming in at the volume of a timid mouse robbing the occasional cold open of some of its power or the reverse. Examples of the latter include the otherwise excellent Hodiak and the very enjoyable Conflicts of Interest stories. Actually, Conflicts seems to have levels all over the map throughout. The listening experience in both stories went something like Big finish for the love of stories. Okay, just set the volume to that. Biow! Ouch! Hastily turning the volume down then. Oh, I can hardly hear this first scene. Nudge it all the way back up again. Okay, we seem to be levelling off. Deafening interstitial music cue. A very good one, but heart attack material nonetheless. Then there's a scene where Peter Davison is turned up to 11 while someone someone meant to be stood next to him sounds like Rod Bryden's man in a glass box impression <laughs> and of course the end titles blew my eardrums out uh, which I should have foreseen but the stories were compelling enough that I forgot to sit with my finger poised on the volume control maybe this all sounds a bit harsh it, it does Mark actually as I know you were doing remote recording for some of these that wouldn't be the reason a learning curve no doubt and maybe the patchwork of files can only have have so much leveling off done to them in those circumstances i'm not remotely techie so perhaps i'm asking for the moon on a stick here <laughs> it's just that it's never been a problem before just in recent months i'm especially interested to know if you as a company had noticed and said not our deal but it'll do hopefully nobody's crashed their car over these sound jump scares you know actually i hope not i i mostly listen at home via earphones for first listens so if it keeps happening at least i can make a note in future are the ones not to give a second spin in the car CD player. Uh, there have been other releases too, and I can't now recall exactly which ones, but maybe 
some other podcast listeners may have noticed this as well and can name other examples. That's if this email gets read out, of course. Of course, of course, Mark. Uh, I do respect that you don't always stick exclusively to the praise field emails, so there's a reasonable chance. Anyway, despite the whingy tone, hopefully mitigated slightly by a dash of humour, very much appreciated, Mark, of all the above, there's been a lot of great stuff out of Big Finish Towers recently, and it's much appreciated. Work up the good keep and best wishes. <laughs> Mark. Um, so, John, I mean, we have been concerned about um, levels, haven't we, recently? But I don't think... I wasn't... I'm not sure that we were aware of it being within a single release, though. Um, no, we thought that different... But we're try, We're seeking to standardise the levels yeah. at which things are mastered, it has to be said. Yes, I mean, certainly what Mark's describing there shouldn't happen if it is happening. Mm. Um it makes me want to sort of run off and listen to it now and have a yeah. all conflicts of interest in particular. Um, I've I mean, the, noticed the files I get for the um, the theme tune are too loud and I have to soften them slightly. Right. Or sometimes the other way around. So anyway, sorry, you were saying? Well, I was going to say, maybe, maybe you should... Would you like to explain what the mastering process is? Because the mastering process should address these sort of things. It's completely. It? it is meant to set everything within a, a top and a bottom range. So that shouldn't have happened. And also I looked and it's Howard Carter doing it. And he's yes, extremely it experienced. So I'm not... I mean, I won't, Mark, I'm not seeking to uh, blame you, but um, as, as one gets older, when your hearing deteriorates slightly, you become far more aware of extremes. Like very loud things become very piercing. And then when something is a bit quieter, you suddenly feel like you can't hear it. I'm saying this as someone who's experienced hearing loss difficulties. I actually wear hearing aids now. Um, uh, and just because I've lost some frequencies in the middle, mainly due to the Dalek voices, it has to be said, um, mm -hmm. because that's where all the Dalek frequencies are, right in the middle of the range. So I, I noticed that I was, even though sometimes I was having difficulty hearing things, at other times certain loud sounds would be really much more unpleasant to me than they had been previously. But, Mark, I'm not saying that you've got hearing loss. Um, I'm just saying that it, there is a bit of wear and tear on people's hearing as they get older. But even so, I feel that our levels should yeah. be tolerable for everyone to listen I to. Mean, I'm just saying sound is a very, very subjective thing. And the system you're playing back on may have some effect on it, I guess. Yeah. Some settings will sort of boost the the bassier sounds or something like that it's true I but i think i think we should at least go and have a look at that you got a monkey on your release. shoulder uh, <laughs> is that tutty tutty lamb cow's monkey this is, <laughs> this is stanley yes he, uh, john's St cat St i should explain stanley the, stanley no the cat can... I can't no, see. Oh, the head's behind your head. Right. He's hanging over the back of my shoulder. That's a he big likes to, cat. He, wow. He, he's a big cat. He thinks he's a tiny cat. But, wow. uh, <laughs> well, he, he, he doesn't realise that he's got a body you know, below his neck. He just sort of <laughs> forgets like, that. Is it a he? I'm the he. same. Yes, it's he, Stanley. It looks yeah. like a, a chimpanzee. Oh, I see. There's the... <laughs> I thought John's either got a chimpanzee on his shoulder or he's, or he's decided to, to, to start to put on a fur coat. Uh, <laughs> yes, it does look a bit like a bear. That's a wrap. John's wrap. Yes. Oh, well, and that's a wrap on the uh, the emails. That's it for this week's emails. We look forward very much to reading more next week. And perhaps uh, some of you can um, share with us your experiences of cats on your shoulder. 
As always, the randomoid selectatron is, I am reliably informed, warming up at this very moment, preparing to offer you a 25% discount. Discount? Discount. Discount or that scout? I don't know. There's a Cub Scout. Uh, on a randomly selected big finish release, which is guaranteed to be fabulous. It says here. It says here. In brackets. <laughs> um, uh, uh, we'll also be teasing you. With the first, fi- what is this about? The strange thing is, it this idea of a drama tease? Yes, you know. Yes. Well, I don't remember that from from my sort of. Uh, this seems to be quite a recent phrase. Drama. Well, tease. we do live in the present, so I'd like to. I like yes. to use recent phrases. But it's a strange one, isn't it? Because it's like you know, when we, we, if you were teasing another child, you'd be told off, wouldn't you? So don't yeah. tease him. You know. Oh, I, I see. Just, so I we should playing, be told off. I was for just this. playing him a trailer. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I like it's that. Just, yeah, it's just a, it's just it's just a, always. Well, slightly... Perhaps at the end of the drama tease, we should have someone come on and say, "Will you stop doing that?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of many phrases that slightly puzzles me and yeah, mildly yeah. irritates me. Um, uh, we'll also be teasing you with the first fifteen Ooh. minutes of Once and Future Past Lives, full of sixtieth anniversary Doctor Who thrills. Well, thanks for selling that with enthusiasm. But first, let's go. <laughs> That was that was enthusiasm, right? Uh, but first, let's go back in time. Subtle enthusiasm. Uh, I'll get it when I listen back to it. I'll suddenly yeah, think, yeah. my goodness, that's brimming with enthusiasm. Um, we're going to go back uh, in time ten years. Can it really be ten years? Obviously, it is. But blimey. Anyway, uh, let's remind ourselves of Big Finish's fiftieth anniversary Doctor Who story, "The Light at the End." <laughs> I am Nicholas Briggs, and uh, we have just finished the last day's recording of The Light at the End. Actually, there's a tiny little bit extra I've got to record, which is my son doing the uh, the lines of the child at the beginning. I wrote that for him, and hopefully... Uh, I've been leaving it as late as possible so that his speech will have developed as far as possible by the time I record it. I gave him very th- simple things to say, like, Daddy, it's a police box, because he says that to me all the time, so that's all right. Was it a plane or something? It was a police box. Oh, Kevin, don't be silly now. <laughs> Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of The Light at the End. I wanted us to do a multi-doctor story for the 50th anniversary. Um, Nick was less keen... Initially, um, he felt very much that um, multi-Doctor stories were really hard to get right. I think what changed it was that the Doctors themselves actually started suggesting that we should be doing something. Um, And I took it to Nick, and and Nick still wasn't convinced we'd got something else, which hopefully one day might get made, but was very different. It wasn't a multi-Doctor story. But we had something else in this slot and it did he, he just didn't want to do it but um uh, i kept going actually I, I i kept i kept really pushing at it to the point where i thought i might be making myself unpopular you know when you're really going for something and and the other person really can't see your point of view but i mean nick really did listen in the end he he, he then sent me an email back and said okay let's look at this but then i was thinking well how on earth is it going to work and fit together and then as if by magic david richardson and john dorney said this is the basic idea ah what just happened i thought we were dead nissa where's nissa oh who ah yes i see 
Welcome aboard, doctors. David gave me very strong guidelines about something happens and it affects all the doctors differently, and that is the story. It's something destructive and they have to work together to put it right. That, it's essentially that story. I've just filled in the window dressing slightly differently to the way he briefed me. The pairing of the doctors was initially... That actually initially grew out of John's idea. I'd sent Nick a breakdown of how we could record it and who would be together and how they would then come together in a big group in the final part. Initially it was a four-parter actually, but it changed to a two-parter. So Nick then did work with that. I think it might even have just been based upon who would get to which studio, because obviously we record in Tunbridge Wells with Tom, so Paul lives closer to Tunbridge Wells, so he could work with Tom down there and we could get the other doctors to the moat. Tom Baker here, you know that, Tom Baker. Not Tom Baker, who used to be, not the old Doctor Who, that's him. Ha <laughs> ha, the old Doctor Who. This is maybe my last gasp. You have a red light flashing too. Oh yes, that's why we ended up here. I imagine it's some kind of trap and look, it's getting brighter. I said it was a bad omen. Yes, you did, Leela, you did. And I fear that in some small way you were right. Tom really knows the story, and this project is not exactly his idea, but it's something he said that led to this happening. And, and when uh, he was asked about doing multi-doctor stories, he was never particularly interested. And indeed, when we did a podcast about it, with him being asked questions from our listeners, one of the questions we let him answer was, would you do a multi-doctor story? And his, his, sort of, his response was fairly dismissive. But between that time and... You know, some point last year, obviously things changed in his mind and he, a little bit like me and the whole business, the analogy I use about Christmas with the uh, multi-doctor story, how I think, no, no, multi I'm not interested in a multi-doctor story and the closer it gets to the anniversary, I get that special feeling and all oh, multi-doctor story, like you get, you're cynical about Christmas and then you get that special Christmas feeling, oh, it's Christmas. I think Tom, the closer he got to the uh, anniversary, started thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we all kind of did something, we did something together and, you know, and... Mm, and it, because Doctor Who has become more important to him again. All the doctors appear, all the living doctors, of course. No, more. Even the dead doctors appear, I think, in this, in this story. It's terribly difficult to understand. Uh, on the other hand, you see, when I'm presented with a script, like lots of actors, I only read my bits because I feel that if I know, if I've read the entire script, I, d I feel I can't be surprised, you know, because I, if I say to someone, where have you been? And I actually know where he's been. <laughs> so I don't read that bit. And so it means that I don't always understand the stories as, it, of course, it would be in, 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 a, in, the, uh, in the fictional adventure itself, as in real life. We don't know the, the whole story, do we? It's not bright. What's going on? What is? We're trapped. Master's TARDIS. That whole weapons factory. It's in a kind of pocket dimension. Pocket dimension you can only enter by heading for three minutes past five on the 23rd of November 1963. So it would appear. And we really can't get out of it? So far, no. Wait a minute, where are the temporal ballast controls? On the panel right next to you. Ah, I see what you're thinking. Shall we? Be my guest. This should just about give us the power we need. That shouldn't have happened. It was the greatest thing that I ever, the, the, the most happy thing that I ever did. When I got Doctor Who, I didn't have to reach for it, you know. I remember Barry Letts took me out to dinner with two or three other people, uh, including Philip Hinchcliffe, I think. And he said, 
what are you going to do with it, Tom? And I said, I don't know. By that time, I'd signed. If, he, if I hadn't signed, I would have given him a spiel in case he changed his mind. But once I'd signed and had the year's work, I was able to be honest and said, I don't know. And Barry said, oh, come on, you must have some idea. I said, I don't really know. And I think he didn't really believe me. He didn't really misbelieve me. But um, when we got there, even though, of course, I was saying lines that had been written for John Pertwee, because that was one of the irritating things. The writers were so used to John Pertwee's sarcastic put-downs <clears throat> that they couldn't get away from it. You know, So I had a, to defend my corner by often just wanting them to rephrase certain kind of thing, to be said in the way I said them, not the way John did. I didn't like all that sarcasm and put-down. That was the way he did it, and he did it very well. And in his younger days, he would have been a very dazzling Sherlock Holmes. And so it was the happiest thing that ever happened. I should never have been an actor, you know. I, I can't recall all that many happy memories of work I've done because I don't like being told what to do. It's the most successful thing he's done, and it's the thing that defines him. And he has become comfortable with that. There's, there's no kind of suspicion or resentment about it in a way that there might have been before. I don't know. I can only speak for myself, like, there's a part I've played a lot on stage, a particular daft inspector with a moustache who's always falling over, and people keep bringing me back to play it. And even though it's a great part to play, and audiences love it and laugh at it, there's a side, there's a part of me that's quite resentful that I'm having to do the same thing over and over again. I think, oh, I'm tired of you, stop. I don't want my career in this small way to be defined by being that silly man with the moustache. I've never felt that about the Daleks, by the by, but... Um, that's because I'm a massive Doctor Who fan. So I can sort of understand. I can I can see the tiny germ of that sort of thought in my mind. And maybe that had been in Tom's. But he's he's learnt to love the Doctor all over again, I think. My name's Paul John McGann. And I play Doctor Who. Or as my cleaner delightfully calls me, Doctor Do. She's some crack off. How did you fly the... Oh, yes. Something rather strange is happening. I take it you're... The Doctor, yes. Hello, Doctor. Any idea what you're doing here? None whatsoever. Intriguing, isn't it? Doctor Who is, is fairly iconic. I mean, in its elements. Uh, and generally what's... Like the, today, we, uh, Nicholas wrote the scripts, Nick Briggs. You know, well, basically, whoever writes them knows what they're doing. And their knowledge is you know, generally a whole heap better than mine. Um, I don't think we've ever... There's ever been a time when I felt confident enough or would ever feel confident enough to say, hang on a minute, don't you think um, you might be wrong there and this might be better? I tend to do as I'm told, if <laughs> truth be known. But generally, again, each time we go out, I think, same as same as when we did the, the TV pilot, you know, in a sense, you're having to tick certain, or at least name, you know, check um, certain uh, traits or iconic things. Um, you know, just to keep... Because, you know, there's... The cognoscenti out there may, um... May complain if you don't, so... You're not looking very optimistic. I'm just thinking about what Charlie said earlier, that when you moved the TARDIS before, it was as if time was folding in on itself. Yes, that's right. Well, it's happening again. Just go to bigfinish.com and type light at the end into the search pane at the top to find this one. Granted, it's been out for ten years, but like me... How do you know I haven't seen it before? You haven't. You may, no, you're right. <laughs> you may never have listened to it before. It was a, it was a lucky guess, Steve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I've listened to it. I've heard it. It's very good. Thank you. It got great reviews, didn't it? I, I yeah. mean, I'm slightly biased because I, you know, I wrote, wrote it, it and directed yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. 
It was, it was it. The, the interesting thing that you will have just heard, folks, is the whole business about how I had to be really brought kicking and screaming to actually agree to do a multi-doctor story. We were doing something else. And it's really interesting for me to try and remember what the other thing was going to be. And I have no recollection, but David Richardson mentions it in the package you'll have just heard, that we had, that I, uh, Alan Barnes and I had planned something completely different. And David kept saying, no, we've got to do a multi-doctor story. Should we still do that then? The other thing? Well, I think we should go back to um, Find out what Alan Barnes. Yes. It Alan Barnes will go, yeah. <laughs> He'll go, Alan Barnes will go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What, oh, what was it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that will be, that is, I, we'll get him on the podcast and see if he reacts like that. Okay. Put him on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, just a reminder that we'll be dramatising you with our 60th anniversary Doctor Who story, Once and Future, at the end of this podcast. In the meantime, it's, and it says, Ran music. Is that the music from the Akira Kurosawa film? <laughs> Where's Ran? Quite randomoid. Oh, oh, I see. Right, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, the Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. Okay, so I've now got to find the Randomoid Selectatron online, which I've neglected to do. So if I just type in Randomoid Selectatron, there it is online. Okay, I'm going to click the button. What do we get? Oh, hello. <gasps> uh, Doctor Who to the death. To the death. Oh, that's um, that's all rather... Well, I shan't say anything for people who haven't heard it. The clue's it's in the eight, title. It's an eighth Doctor story with... Uh, um, Sheridan Smith. Sheridan Smith, yes. Playing Lucy Miller. Yeah. Is it the last, last one? Or the penultimate one? It, it's the last one. It is. The one, the one before it is called Lucy Miller, which was that's a right. character. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was a very traumatic time. Yeah. Not least because um, we also killed off... Oh, sorry, another character. And um, I realised that no one had told either actor that they were being killed off. I thought no. I thought someone else was doing it, like my boss, Jason Hay Gallery. But oh, he didn't. And, uh, yeah, so that was quite a tricky it's situation. Like, it was just like the, the Maureen O'Brien situation, you know, when she she turned up to the read-through of uh, whatever the story was, Mythmakers, and, and found that she wasn't... She was, she, yeah, except was these, people turned, these people turned up to the recording. Well, and they didn't know... Why hadn't... Why, no, they no. hadn't read it before? Well, they they knew by the time they came to the recording. Right, right, I see, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, Sheridan Smith said to me, you don't like me anymore. Oh. And I said, what? No. God, I'd work with you every day of the week, Sheridan. Which I would. She's amazing, amazing actor. Mm. Um, but um, so why I knew how... Po- well, I, she'd done four series, three or four. And right. she was getting more and more popular mm. and more and more difficult to get because she was... You know, there was one story, Stephen, where she uh, she was filming during the day mm. and doing theatre in the evening and in the small gap they biked her over to us wow. she was literally biked to us she got off a bike she ran into the studio and just recorded tw- uh, 45 minutes of an episode with me reading all the other lines in wow. and interestingly the script editor Alan Barnes when he heard that story I can't remember which one it was now I'm feeling it might have been Grand Theft Cosmos 
He said, the brilliant thing about Sheridan and Paul, they just work so well together. <laughs> I said, well, there you go. They didn't. They weren't together in this. And I read in Lucy Miller for all the bits with Paul and the other people. And Paul McGann was hilarious. He just said to me, because I was, I was going, all right, doctor, come on. And, all this, and he said, it's as if she's in the room, Nick. <laughs> Of course, I sound nothing like Sheridan Smith. It's funny this sort of, you know, actors remote recording or, or recording with somebody else, and then the, then you know, it's all stuck together. Because, mm. because my, uh, is it my only experience of that? It was with the Rufus Hound situation with oh, the Outlaws, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so many people said, "Ah, oh, the chemistry between you and Rufus Hound is the most fantastic." And you go, "Well, yeah, but we never actually met or did well, it's it together." Knowing, if you're both it? playing just... the parts well. Yeah. It it doesn't yeah. matter, yeah, and yeah. it was also Barnaby Edwards. Barnaby was, was well. Barnaby was brilliant. He read in. in. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so yeah. So like it's just replacing have... one great chemistry with with a, a slightly different exactly. chemical. I mean, I you know Similar I make one. notes on the script saying he was loud at this point, and so so you know what I mean. <laughs> Otherwise, I you talk, get there. I talked to Paul Darrow about this when, when we were doing Blake Seven because he recorded all his dialogue completely. So, in fact, he yeah. didn't even want me to read in. He would just do it in his head yes and and i remember him saying he said he said i know how they will do it and um, so particularly mm, the you know the, the, the regular the regular yeah, yeah, well yeah. i think he meant generally as well i mean i yeah, think yeah, he yeah. just sort of had an understanding of how someone would approach it or that's how yeah. what he and it did always work fine you know um, bonnie yeah. langford did it once for one of our productions didn't oh, I bet she? she's brilliant at it yeah, yeah she just she said don't bother reading it and she just went straight yeah. through and just read all her lines off and it all yeah. edited in perfectly mm. yeah coming soon from big finish productions to the death come on doctor come on i know you can make it back to us i know it and if you can hear what i'm saying believe in you I never told you how angry I was with you did I after we defeated the Daleks all those years ago and you left me here preparations are being made for the final countdown begin descent of capsule to sector zero immediately you sneaky beggar what the hell was that I don't know Qu quickly we must get to my TARDIS look at me Look at the state of me! I nearly died because you couldn't get here in time. And think of all the people who have died! The first stage of the Dalek conquest of the universe begins. Right, let's go! Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com Pompous and say something like, Well, what if I don't want you to travel with me anymore, Lucy Miller? <laughs> and I'll give you a kick in the shins, and you'll say, Oh, that hurt. And I'll say, I'll take that as a yes, then, shall I? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's how it'll go. That's what I'd like, Doctor. That's what I'd really like. There you go. Uh, listen, so while I email uh, Jackie Emery, uh, a content manager at Big Finish to inform her of our random selection so that she can set the offer live on the bigfinish.com website. Uh, Stephen and John, would you be good enough to uh, work out between you how uh, people get this fabulous discount? Do you know how it works? 
Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. Mm. Right. Well, well, uh, go, go to the go to the website and have a look. What 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 do we have to do? <laughs> this is working brilliantly. Yes. Well, go to podcasts. Yeah, I'm doing that now. Yeah, Hold click on. podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then click the latest podcast. Uh, yeah. And what does it say? Um, Random Voice Electron also features offering you a 25% reduction on the selected release. Just click here and enter the offer code Buck Up. There we go. How, Is that and it? What, yeah, and how do you, you know, how do you spell buck up? And are there any spaces or anything? Uh, buck up is all one word uh, in capitals. B U C K U P. There we are. You see. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, nice one, Ran. Uh, next week's podcast will feature the Ninth Doctor, the brilliant and lovely Chris Eccleston, in a box set entitled Pioneers. Just seen a promo video for that looks really good and we'll also be delving behind the scenes with Tortured Among Us Part 1 starring Eve Mars and Kai Owen in four fantastic episodes with Tortured on the run exciting and also will Benji be back at the microphone I mean Willie it's you I know it depends if on I, another job if I yeah if I like doing this so much I'll just keep allocating him to oh did you oh is it you who, 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 yeah. who took him away from this so oh, that's interesting yeah. Yeah. sort of I mean only because I was out I mean I didn't just make something up <laughs> but no he was requested his his talents were needed elsewhere Doctor and, Who uh, was required yes and so I sent him. <laughs> I was going to say, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, this edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by John Ainsworth and me, Nick Briggs. I also wrote, produced and edited it with special guest star Stephen Noonan. Has it been a fulfilling experience, Mr Oh, Noonan? it's been extraordinary. And uh, I, um, I um, got slightly thrown at the beginning, but I'm all right now. Did we so, pick you up after you, do, oh, after right. you were thrown? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be all right. It's like throwing a, a, a horseshoe. And of course... John, Stephen and I did this for the love of stories. stories. <laughs> Almost perfect. <laughs> and finally on the Big Finish podcast, Doctor Who, Once and Future, Past Lives by Rob Valentine. Get the walking wounded out of here, damn it. I can't be in ten places at once. Coming through. Move. What's happened to this one? I, I don't know, but whatever it was, it's hit him hard. I think it's the doctor, sir. The man himself, eh? Well, at least he's breathing. Doctor, can you hear me? What happened to you? I'll give him a shot to ease the pain. Too late. Stand clear. He's regenerating. Ah! No! It's wrong! It's all gone wrong! Ah! Oh, help me! We have to stop it! What kind of regeneration is this? It isn't one. It's, it's a degeneration. What? Some kind of biogenic reversion. I've never seen anything like it. I have to get out of here! Easy, Doctor. You're not going anywhere. But I must. Hang on. You're in no fit state. Can't be helped, I'm afraid. Sorry. Hey. Hey, come back. 
Sorry, this is exhausting. I must fight it. I must resist. Ah, that's more like it. A change in the right direction, at least. Oh! 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 Here's a pretty how to do. Oh! Oh! Must stabilize. Must find. Must find the. Who was it? The Yeti? The Cyberman? Charles oh, oh. II? No, that's not it. Why can't I remember? No. Wait. That was it. That time meddling rapscallion has something to do with this. The. the oh, what's his blasted name? Hello? Now that's intriguing. This degeneration's affecting you as well, isn't it, old girl? Hmm. Let's see. If we're both being dragged back through our own personal timelines. I wonder what effect that's having on your temporal bond to the time war. Aha! Now there's the silver lining I was hoping for. Don't worry. Right now, our safest course of action is a tactical retreat to the good old days before all this madness started. And I think you might be able to get us there. What's that? Collision imminent? Too late. Must hold on. Must. Hold. On. Well, that was a bumpy landing, Doctor. <laughs> Still, we seem to stabilize for the time being. No doubt due to your calming influence, my dear old TARDIS, eh? Bruised up, are we? Never mind. We've been through worse, eh? Yes, now. What was I saying before I interrupted myself? Oh, yes. That the next step, find the monk. First, what's the current situation, Doctor? Short-term memory scramble. <laughs> Tardis bruised and reproachful. Regeneration cycle all over the place. Eh? Otherwise, nothing to complain about. Now then, whatever it was that happened to me, the monk was there. That much I do remember. I say, old Tardis, if only we had a temporal iterator, we could trace his TARDIS through the vortex, couldn't we? Not to worry. We'll just have to think of something clever for a change. Hello. What's this? Ooh! <laughs> a temporal iterator. And in my pocket, of all places. 
Either somebody up there likes us, or we're walking into a trap. Ah, now, that's the TARDIS signature I was hoping for. So we're on Earth, are we? My monastic old mocker. <laughs> that's never a good sign with you. Late 20th century off the west coast of Scotland, I think. Yes, the island of Jura, no less. Now, what could possibly bring us here? Hello? Hello? Is there a monk about the place? Hello, what's that? Firelight. <laughs> Hello, monk. Uh, doctor? Uh, yes, I think so. Oh, oh, you think so? Don't you know? Well, it's been a strange day. You might say history's repeating on me. Look, it's lovely to see you and all that, but I can't chat. I'm on the clock. Well, so am I, it seems. I say, uh, are you collecting litter? Is it bin day tomorrow? Come again? What's in the plastic sack? This? Oh, nothing. Uh, nothing? Well, a million quid, give or take. A million quid? You mean Earth currency? Yes, yes, pounds sterling. Can't we do this another time? I mean, where did you get it? Oh, if you must know, these two chaps on the other side of the cove were going to burn it in an act of anarcho-anti-capitalist performance art. But I persuaded them that giving it to me and only pretending to burn it was just as conceptually valid. Mm, I see. How enterprising. Oh, could we hurry this up? I'm not really having a good day. Oh, then, then we have something in common. I mean, once you've given those gentlemen their money back, we need to talk. I can see there's no arguing with you, is there? Oh, well, if you insist... Monk! Monk! Come back! Come back! Sorry, Doctor! You've caught me at a really bad time! I'm stuck between a hard place... and a rock! Why you don't get your chameleon circuit fixed, I don't know. See you around, old bean. Old bean? Old bean? What is this place, sir? Exactly. I mean, it's a wet April Wednesday in 22nd century Hong Kong. Beyond that, I know nothing about it. This is ridiculous! How are you finding me? Oh, I always have a trick or three up my sleeve. Now keep still and listen. Keeping still is not an option, Doctor. Seriously, I'm busy. Where's that sack of money you stole? Hmm? Liberated, Doctor. The word is liberated. 
since you ask, I popped it into a Swiss bank account for a few decades, then invested the final sum in a particularly successful internet search engine. Then I cashed in the shares and brought this briefcase full of diamonds. Now, please, don't hold me up. This is a life or death situation. Whose? Whose do you think? Mine! Life or death is one thing, Monk, but right now, all of Time Lord society is at stake. Potentially, the universe. What do you mean? I mean, my entire being has been sent on an unscheduled trip down memory lane. And I know that you know something about it. Hmm? I haven't a clue what you're talking about. Now, leave me alone. Wherever you go, I'll follow you, you know. Oh, right. Fine. Just let me quickly take care of my business and then we'll deal with yours. Deal? Fair enough, but no tricks. No, 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 no tricks. But please, for my sake, don't get us killed in there. I don't like the look of this place. Me neither, but needs must. Wait a moment. This wouldn't be some sort of pop-up black market, would it? Ixnay on the Lack Bay Arcade, May. Hmm, Bay, Elway. Just stick with me and act like you belong, okay? Oh, Mr. Monk, who's your friend? I, I'm his personal physician. <laughs> How do you do? You look peaky. I take it you have the diamonds? If you have the device. <sighs> One smart black omnivariable decryptor has requested. Just don't ask me how I got it. <laughs> I wouldn't dream of it. Ah, uh, that's strange. I was under the impression that smart black decryption units were for the express use of Earth military. <sighs> that's what makes them so expensive. Well, monkey boy. As you specified, they're colorless, flawless, and all-round brilliant cat. Beautiful. Looks like we have a deal, sir. <sighs> a pleasure doing business with you. <clears throat> Furtive fellow, wasn't he? Ow! Ooh! What was that? Sorry, Doctor. Just the mildest of sedatives. You'll be as right as rain in 30 seconds, but that's all the head start I need. <laughs> Toodaloo! Monk! Monk. You're not the only one with tricks, you know. All sleeves! Midnight is upon us, and time is running out. Good evening, Mr. Mallory, if that is your real name. Mr. Thelonious, if that's yours. You're late. Yeah, sorry about that. Was held up. Oh? Yeah, don't worry. No one I couldn't shake off. I hope not, for your sake. 
Those nanobombs ticking away in your bloodstream aren't going anywhere without my intervention. And you still have your penance to perform. As if I need reminding. You know, I'm as much a fan of Glastonbury Tour as the next fellow, but couldn't we meet in a tea shop in town next time? St. Michael's Tower is a place steeped in history, my boy. A fitting location for secret dealings. Yeah, a good chunk of that history is a swizz, Mr. Mallory. All that guff about King Arthur's tomb. <laughs> it was a medieval con job to bring in the tourists to the local monastery. And a ruddy clever con, if I do say so myself. Anyway, it's awfully chilly up here. Holding my life in your hands is one thing, but could we at least be civilised about it? Cease your prattling and report. You're not the only one on borrowed time. No? Got you too, have they? Something like that. Then you'll be pleased to hear I've obtained the decryption device. Then get to work, if you wish to survive our association. Oh, I most certainly do, Squire. There's just one more thing I need to complete the job. I thought this smart black device was the only tool you required. Oh, no. There's one more vital piece of merchandise to acquire. And when I tell you what it is, you'll understand why I left it to last. Hillview Road. I bet it isn't even South Croydon. Oh, <laughs> he blew it. Hey, hey, you, he blew it. What? I say, Sarah Jane Smith. You look lost. Oh, it's you. That's right. It's me. And you're being kidnapped, my girl. Big finish for the love of stories.